Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Step right up. <laughs> That's it. I can't do the rest. I'm going to laugh. Step right up. You usually have like a whole thing, a whole spiel. Step right up. Read all about it. Come visit the podcast. Or... I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> Mitha, here's the thing, Mitha. That was a really good idea, just poorly executed. Yeah. You've done um, better. I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> huh. 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 Maybe it's a clue into... Maybe it's foreshadowing. This episode <laughs> brought to you by poorly executed ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, How's it going, Mitha? I'm here. Uh, what a week. What I feel like I haven't talked to you in a really long time. Yeah, because I was in the San Francisco for a fair bit. Yeah, like 10 days, about, actually. How was San Francisco? It was does good. it miss me? Yeah, it absolutely does. It came up to me and it was just like, where's Mita? And I was just like, I'm not here. There was like a day Mita and I didn't talk. And that hasn't happened there was like since two like whole days, I feel like. 2019. <laughs> yeah. We went a whole 48 hours. Yeah. It's a long time. A text message. Otherwise, Mita and I talk on the reg. If not, to say anything even sometimes we just share memes i thought you died (laughs) it was reasonable to just check up and be like hey are you okay you haven't messaged me in 24 hours but yeah it was nice i've never i've never been to san francisco it was my first time and i quite liked it yeah it's i loved it very very picturesque very pretty Mm -hmm. lots of things to do i walked a lot my ass got firmer weather was like perfect temperature probably this time no it was cold Okay, yeah. Well. There was days where it was colder in San Francisco than it was in Ottawa. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I think the first weekend I was there, it was like 20 degrees here. There was like unseasonable warmth. Mm-hmm. And it was like 15 degrees in San, San Francisco. Oh. Hot take. I prefer San Francisco over Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles is kind of a toilet. <laughs> it kind of is like really dumpy and like... I get it's the it's Hollywood, the, yeah. but that's really the appeal. If you take out the film industry, there's nothing really interesting really about cool. LA. Well, I mean, I think people who live in LA or who like love LA would argue that. But I think from thinking of California in general, I do think San Diego takes the cake. I yeah. feel like San Diego is like top city. Yeah. Then I would give it to San Fran. Yeah, to I could Los I could agree with that. Yeah, I think Los Angeles is really just. I remember going to Los Angeles and being like, this is it. This is the center of the entertainment industry. When I went, it was very, we did very touristy things though. Like we just like drove around and like went to Rodeo. So I wonder if like, if I could actually experience LA the way like LA people experience it, if it would be different. The way P.T. Anderson wants you to experience it? Yeah, because like (laughs) when I went to San Francisco, I experienced it with San Francisco people, like people who've lived there and who don't just go to like all the sites, right? Like we actually walked around and like had a regular day and it felt more like, oh, I could live in this city. Whereas like Los Angeles, it was like, oh, okay, we have to go to this site and now this and that and that. But did you see the sites? In San Fran? Because there's some beautiful sites to see yes, in San Yes, I went to Palace of the Arts. We yeah. went and saw Palace the Palace of the Arts is ladies. beautiful. Yep. We went to Golden Gate Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Palace of the Arts is stunning, right? It's and stunning, like, yeah. Love it. It reminds me of Vertigo. It's very, very yeah. fit, like movie-esque. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's really And nice. it's so random. It's just like, whoa. It's just there in a <laughs> yeah. suburb. It's like in amongst like a residential area. It's so strange. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Well, the whole city is like... You know, one block is all these houses, and then another block, it's, like, very picturesque and very, yeah. yeah. I really like San Francisco. But, yeah, I really had a good time. I really, I quite liked it. I'd go back. One of my favorite American cities, I'd say. There you go. There New you York. Go. Did you go to Ghirardelli is... Square? Absolutely, and got some chocolate. You went to the factory? Good, good, good. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But, Mita, we actually have something specific to talk about today. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so before we talk about the movie, we're going to talk about another movie. Because a few weeks ago, I don't remember what we were talking about, but we started to get into a conversation about Promising Young Woman. Yes. Do you remember the movie that we were reviewing? I don't remember what we were reviewing, but we were discussing the idea of like writers sort of having these lackluster endings towards their film. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember the specifics, but I remember after that conversation, I was just like, you know what? I haven't seen Promising Young Woman since it released back in during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So let's go watch it. 
So I did, and I've been meaning to bring it up and like just keep on forgetting. But today I messaged Mita and was, was like, when we have small talk, I want to talk about Promising a Young Woman. Because I made Mita watch it as well recently. Yes. And I wanted her to come informed to this conversation. I will say it's been a while since I watched it. And in yeah. that time, I watched a bunch of Halloween movies. Yes. So, but give me I do feel grace, like you know Promising yes. Young Woman well enough to have this conversation, though. Yeah, let's try it. Let's see yeah. what you got. <laughs> so here are my, my, my takeaway thoughts from it in this second viewing without all the hype. Yeah. I will say that Emerald Fennel gets points, a lot of points, for even doing the thing. The so trying it, Literally, I was going to say, it's a very audacious pro- product. Product. It's She tries something, she's very bold, and full stop, period. She gets points for just doing it. Mm-hmm. I think she does so many things well. The acting is, like, largely great. It's not bad, but it's really Carrie Mulligan who carries it. Yeah. It's very nice. I don't think she sticks the landing. Okay. I don't think she lands the plane. I don't think... I think she, I, I, it was, you know, when we've had these conversations over the years over Promising Young Woman, it's with this, like, memory of it versus fresh. So, you know, when you watch something fresh, you're like, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I remember it incorrectly. Turns out I didn't. Turns out I remembered everything correctly. And I just think that she has some great ideas and she just doesn't commit to some of them. And it's really disappointing. Expand on that. What do you feel like could have been... Committed fe- to more. I feel like she wants to do certain things. So I think I- I'm going to have to spoil things for our listeners. So like if you oh, haven't seen it's this been movie. A, it's came out in 2019. Two, yeah, exactly. But just <laughs> saying if you don't want to, if you don't want to spoil, skip ahead like 10 minutes, let's say. And like yeah. come back to us. But Yeah, exactly. I think she does a lot in order to get to the end, to service the end. Mm. Rather than the ending being an organic product of the buildup. And a lot of things like, for for instance, the fact that Cassie is not a victim herself and it's her friend who's the victim feels off and has always felt off to me. I agree with that. That always feels very strange and a very, it's a, it's a disconnect. Because I don't think I would ha- have a friend who would take such a stance in no. my real life. And like, such no a, offense such a... to my friends, like you're great, but no. even you, I don't think you would get so upset. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would be, I would be devastated. But I wouldn't go to that extent because in the end, it makes her seem unhinged. Mm -hmm. It it really ruins her character because she comes off as kind of crazy. Yeah. When that's not the intention. She's wounded, but she comes off as like a a crazy bitch. She comes off crazy, but she's not doing the crazy thing that we all expect her to do. I know you've always hung on to that, and that's the disappointing thing. That's the other thing I just don't think Emerald Fennell commits to because... I think she wants the revenge to feel like revenge. And in order for, again, in order for the ending to be strong, she can't be going around like castrating these men, let's say, or doing something. And I just think that like when she, when you get into it and you realize that all she's doing is like waving a finger and being like, don't do it again. It just feels kind of like that's it. Like that whole setup feels so like I think lost. maybe she's just a higher, like in a more of, evolved human i think it's showing that like you can have rage and you can have anger about a situation but you don't necessarily have to be violent with it but then what's her goal i don't even think she knows that's the thing but that's a bad thing that's a really bad poor writing choice you're you're not emerald fennel i don't think like the character no that's what i mean cassie needs to have a goal especially because she makes a plan like, she has a plan going but forward. in real life, you don't always know what you're going to do. Like, you don't have a clear action plan. Like, she is the person who thought she had a clear action plan. She thought she was going to be a doctor. She thought she would have this, like, successful life with her best friend. And then something happened and it didn't turn out that way. And I think she just is going with it. Yeah. I, I don't agree with that. That's like, I think what I think what that does is it tries to explain a poor writing trait. And I think that's that's what really frustrates me about Promising Young Woman is that the movie itself is so promising. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know when you have a good movie that could have been great? That to me is Promising Young Woman. Do you think if she was actually like castrating these men though, do you think it would be a better movie? I think it would be a different movie for sure. And yeah. I think that's the other thing is that she really wants to have the romantic comedy in the middle. 
The mm-hmm. tone shifting is a big part of what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Cassie can't be psychotic. Yeah. But again, it's because it's it's not in service of the story. That's what my thing is, is that she's doing these things to kind of like make the movie work. And it does, by and large, in the end. It's not a bad movie at all. And it it is worthy of everyone's time. But I just think that the better movie and the stronger movie would have been had a stronger story rather than a movie that was trying to use a story to service other things. How do you fix that, though? Because, like, if I if, – if it was, like, her castrating men and actually getting, like, actual revenge on them, I don't think that w- – I think it would be really hard to pull that off and still have, like, a – have your story not be poisoned by the fact that, like, women are all crazy, women will do crazy shit and have that negativity. But isn't she it. doing that anyways? Isn't she, she doing that crazy shit in the end anyways? She's doing crazy shit, but she's not hurting anybody. But she's, that's, that's just, she's still vengeful in the end. She's not violent. I think the problem is with revenge films. The only one that does it successfully that I can think of is Elle. And it's because she's an older woman that it gets it's pulled off. If she but was Elle, a, I, you're right. But Elle is also crazy. She's but crazy. Elle has, Elle has reasons to be crazy. I don't think Cassie has reasons to be crazy. Exactly. So she but can't she do that. But she could have. But she could have. That's my, If she had been the victim, then she could have. But I guess that's just under the story. these circumstances. But I don't even think Cassie has enough. It does to be stem where down to the, that it didn't happen to her because yeah. if it, yeah. But that's the thing though, because if it did happen to her, then there would be more. Then she'd a, be a woman on revenge, and that's it'd what be it more acceptable into. for her to actually take revenge. Yeah, I just find that the whole thing is kind of like pieces that are like it's like a puzzle that's like so close, but some of the edges just aren't lining up. Hmm. What are your thoughts? I still enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> so really enjoyed watching that movie. I think some of the choices she's made, like in terms of casting, she she knew who her target audience was for this film. And mm-hmm. it's young millennial women like myself, specifically casting men that we've seen like growing up on yeah, television our entire lives. Yeah. So smart. I still, I, I think it would be a lesser film if she did like mm-hmm. take violence as the answer. Because what is that saying about a woman? At the end of the day, she's just but as bad as a man. Fair, fair point. But what, let me ask you: What is this saying about a woman? The, I don't know if it needs to say anything about women in particular. <laughs> I think this movie talks about what it's like to grow up with the patriarchy and what it's like to like be a woman in this world. I don't think that's actually what it's saying at all because we don't actually see her interacting with the patriarchy as much as but she it, interacts with these few men who are. Scum. But even, okay, take her and the dean. The dean is spewing out what has been taught to her her whole life. Well, I can't just take her word. I have to listen about him. What about his future? The whole promising young woman comes from, what was his name? I'm forgetting. Is it Blake something? No, I hate that man. But anyways, (laughs) yes, it comes from that trial. The whole idea is that the world has been... There is a patriarchy and the world has really been run by these men. And this is what it's like to be a woman in this world. She's but like pointing out. It, I, I, I agree again. I think that might be the intention. I just don't think she's do, And that's my hope. That's my whole point. I think she's trying to do these things and she unsuccessfully does none of them. Like, I don't actually think she points out what it's like to be a woman as a man, let me tell you. But I don't even get like, insight if you look at into that. With Alison Bree's character, it's another woman who's just like, well, what was I supposed to do? Like, she shouldn't have gotten drunk. As soon as the tables get turned, oh, it's a different story now. Like, I think that that's a really, instead of actually setting her up with somebody and like having her screw the guy, like, it's a much better way of going about it what? than actually ruining somebody else's life. Because what the good does that make her? I think that's the other thing is that she's trying to maintain Cassie as a good character. And, and like, she's she's really trying hard to keep Cassie as, like, a good character with good values and is just in this mo- moment. But, like, Cassie doesn't commit to things. Cassie's ca- a, not a... I wouldn't say she's, like, good. I think she has very strong principles. I think she's weak because she doesn't have strong... She doesn't have strong motive. She has one motivation and then weak outcomes. I would I might hate her if she had actually done to Alison Brie what she pretended to do. As a character, I might loathe her. But I think there's something stronger about having her be this diabolical woman who's doing these terrible things, who is then actually confronted and like showing that like 
maybe there's a reason this woman is doing this shit. And I just don't think she does either side of that very well. I do also think that this movie, like, I agree with you in that it did need, like, a once-over. Like, it Mm -hmm. definitely needed something. I also, I think I said this before, I don't think, had it not been 2020, like, 2020 was what 2020 was, I don't think it would have been talked about as much. People didn't know about it. Yeah. Like, you didn't know about it until I, no. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think this would have made it as far as it did had the year not been as shitty as it was. No, because even the yeah. studio was planning to release it in April. So they didn't have... It's not that they had like a war... They, they didn't believe it. It was it, originally a February 2020 movie. I thought it was April. Um, I remember watching month. watching the trailer like early 20... Um, summer 2019. And it was supposed to be for the coming February or March. Hmm. Well... Like, it was not supposed to be part of Oscar yeah. season. And then it ended up winning an Academy Award for Best Writing. I do think Carrie Mulligan is very good in it. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I think she's very good in it and very convincing. I just wish the writing were stronger. But even still, I think Emerald Fennell deserves your time. And she's one of those directors that I'll still look out for in the future. Because mm-hmm. she tries something here. And she makes some really interesting directing choices. Yeah. But the movie falls flat. I still really love it. <laughs> Of course, you're allowed to. Because it was so, it's not what I thought it was going to be. When I first watched that trailer, I thought it was something very specific. I was like, okay, revenge, I'll get it. But it, I feel like it did not take that route, and I respect it for not doing that. But you were excited about it based on that trailer. I was excited about it, yes. But I, in the end, I was more excited to see like, oh, she didn't make her out to be some crazy woman. She's crazy, but not in the way you would think. Yeah, she's not unhinged. She's, she's just... not un- yeah, exactly, and I think that that's really dangerous too to show an unhinged woman. But I think the example you gave of Elle was so much better because that's a that's a character that is not that unhinged, character can sociopathic. be unhinged. She's not yeah. unhinged. She's just sociopathic, and as a result, you're like you kind of her motivation. You know why she, she is does. though. Like yeah, you, you exactly. understand it. I just think that 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 has a better motivation for doing those things. I didn't even mm-hmm. make that connection, but you're absolutely right about that. But Mita, speaking of movies that fall flat, <laughs> what did we watch this week? This week, Nadim, um, we barely watched the barely greatest watched. show on earth. Yeah, man. Oh, would you like to hear the description from IMDb? Please. Okay, so it goes as the dramatic lives of trapeze artists, a clown, and an elephant trainer are told against a background of circus spectacle. I mean, oh boy, <laughs> where do we start with the greatest show on earth? So this is a two and a half hour film directed by Cecil B. DeMille. Yes. At the end of it, towards the end of his career. Yes. The, the There's only one other film he has after this. Which one is it? The Ten Commandments. It's Ten Commandments? Okay. Yeah. I think Which so. Arguably his most famous one. Yeah. In many ways. Where do you begin with the greatest show on earth? I mean, okay, let's... Okay. Let me say this. (laughs) Yeah. I had mentioned a few times, to you personally, but as well, like, on our recording for An American in Paris, I mentioned that this is regarded as one of the worst Best Picture winners of all time. Mm Mm-hmm. And in, like, preparing for this this performance, this recording, I did, like, go back and just double-check that that's true, actually. And it is. On most lists, it does appear on most lists as one of the yeah. worst Best Picture winners. But many of those do not say this is a bad film. They say it's just not a great film. And in watching this, I kind of understand where this is coming from. Because they also, a lot of the, there's the, a lot of the commonalities are movies like Cavalcade, mm-hmm. Cimarron, mm. The Broadway Melody. The Great Zigfield. The Great Zigfield. These are all, these are four films so far that constant, consistently re- appear on those lists. Yeah. As well as Crash, which also appears on every list. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yes, this as well. And I kind of understand where that's coming from. Because I didn't think this was a terrible film. Like, it wasn't a bad film. It's not a bad movie that won Best Picture. It's just not a great film. I can totally respect this for, like, in terms of what he does Mm -hmm. for motion pictures, like, to show the circus in this way, to have your actors actually be doing these, like, 
these stunts, they they did all their stunts. That's what I read, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Many of them were actually circus performers. Yeah, to actually follow a circus for like an entire year to like understand what you're doing. Yes, there is that spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, it's very grand on its scale. But there, the story told <laughs> doesn't match the like actual efforts put into like presenting something. So visually entertaining. Visually, I will say this movie is entertaining. It's mm-hmm. amazing to think like going to a theater in 1952 and you're seeing like the circus on screen. Like imagine you've never even been to a circus before. Yeah. yeah. But, but like what? There, I don't. There's too many people in this movie. So many people. In this movie. <laughs> and like forget the like there's a lot of people people. There's a lot of background there's a yeah. lot of background actors. There's a lot of extras. There's a lot of people in the circus you see regularly but don't know their names. But then yeah. there's a lot of characters. Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't remember any of them. I thought this movie was also extremely forgettable in a strange yeah. way. Because like you're saying, the spectacle is really impressive. It's really impressive. I, while I was watching it, I was just like, this is actually really massive and it really impressive to see that like it was also very interesting in many ways like to see how they set up tents and see how they like you know how the circus actually comes to life and all of that and how you know the clowns are actually typically like workmen on the floor like that's what their function is is to both entertain but keep the show the flow going mm-hmm. but then this is a two and a half hour movie and there must be at least an hour and a half if not more of just circus acts yeah which like why am i paying money to see (laughs) just that when i could pay to go see the circus well i mean that's us in 2022 saying that right when the circus literally comes to town in the form of Cirque du Soleil and you can see this did you never go to like the other circus like you've never been to like a circus circus yeah 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 i've been to okay okay i was like wait has Nadine never been to the circus (laughs) no i've been to a circus circus but okay i'm just saying in terms of in terms of like 1952 this is amazing because chances are many people actually didn't get an opportunity to go to a circus. And like, this is probably cheaper than going to a circus. And so to see things like trapeze artists and things like that, it is a marvel to see that. In yeah. this day and age, when you've seen that live, I've gone to, I went to the Bellagio in Las Vegas and saw Cirque du Soleil perform O, which is meant to only be performed at the Bellagio and has a trapeze artist jump into a pool that forms in the stage. That's crazy. This is just not going to be impressive. There's just no, no way. <laughs> I can appreciate it, though. I, absolutely. And yeah. especially for the time period, super interesting. But now watching this in 2022, I was like, I was bored through a lot of this. I tried watching this like four times. Mm. <laughs> I had to re-rent it. Oh, really? <laughs> because I really, I really tried this one. It... Also, we've had a bit a large amount of time for us to watch yeah. this. And I was like, I'm gonna get it out of the way. Yeah. I didn't get it out of the way. I finished it this morning. But <laughs> it took I fell asleep a couple of times watching it. And just there's really like I I can appreciate the the marvel that you're speaking about, but there really isn't anything other than that that's enticing about this. Like none of the characters really spoke to me in any way, or even their acting was just sort of ho hum. And you have people like Charles has Char Charles Charlton Heston. Charlton no Charlton Charlton. What what am I trying to say here? Let me look at it. I don't. I can read it. Charlton. Charlton Heston. Thank yeah. you. I thought you said Carlton. Charlton Heston. You have James Stewart, who are like known. Huge Men. faces, yeah. Yes. I can't tell you anything about their characters. James Stewart is a clown the entire time. The entire time, So, yeah. you, so you don't even know that he's James Stewart, which to me is like not the greatest idea but if I you're going to use was, James before, Stewart. This was before James Stewart was like James Stewart. Was it though? Yeah, I think so because we haven't gotten into his like Alfred Hitchcock phase by this point. Like this is coming quite early on. I'm just looking at his IMDb right now. Yeah, because Rear Window doesn't come out for two years. So we're still... But you know It's a Wonderful Life. You have Philadelphia Story, Shop Around the Corner, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, It's a Wonderful World. You can't take it with you. 
You can't take it with you. You can't. Yeah. There are things where we know who Jimmy Stewart is. There are things, but I feel like what we know of Jimmy Stewart is largely based on what Alfred Hitchcock did for him. Like, I think all that stuff, it's it's the Hitchcock phase that made him James Stewart. And like, this stuff just kind of tagged along. Mm. So I don't think it was the same thing. But I will say that Charlton Heston, I just didn't understand why he was in this. Why is he Indiana Jones? Yeah, like why is he yeah. Jones? <laughs> did you did you read the fun fact that this was like one of Steven Spielberg's first movies that he ever saw? Yeah, have you not seen the trailer for The Fablemans? Fable- I haven't watched it, the new one. There's there a trailer new- for The Fablemans where they go to a movie and this oh. is the movie they go to. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's cute. It's in the trailer. There you so, go. We're I guess coming full is, circle. I, and I can totally see this being inspirational in that way, especially at that time because it is, yeah. I will say, that train crash was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I how was so impressed. Yeah, yeah, I was so impressed with that. I saw it happening, and I was just like, "Oh my god, how's this even going to happen? Is that real? Yeah, what's going to happen here? Like, how is this?" And it was really impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. This movie does have some really impressive visuals, especially for the time. But again, it's just, it just wasn't enough, especially for the length of time. Also, I just want to—I grabbed my phone because I really wanted to point out Betty Hutton, who plays Holly, is a mm. god awful actress. Um, just. So- I feel like the word to describe her is melodramatic. Just terrible. <laughs> just, just, just like just a lot. So over the top, man. It's like if you put me in a movie. <laughs> but I think Actually, no. I think I would be too. a really good yeah. actor. <laughs> I think I would be able to find find uh, find the truth in my role. Yes, exactly. I just found her so annoying. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. She's just a lot as a person, as a character, like all of it. And Every just, word was enunciated and drawn out and just like 10 times more than it needed to be. And just like so drama. Like it was just so much. Is the circus really that dramatic? I don't know, but she made it seem that way. It was just too much. It was just too much. Too, too much. This is my first Cecil B. DeMille movie that I've ever watched. Have you seen anything else? You've never no, seen The Ten except, Commandments? Uh, except for Sunset Boulevard, but I don't think that counts. Know. But you've <laughs> never seen... Ten Commandments? Oh, like, sorry, yes. But that, I didn't know that that was him. <laughs> oh, I mean, because I was just like, how have you not seen the Ten, Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments, yes, I've seen because, like, you can't miss it. Every Easter. <laughs> Every Easter, it's there. But, like, this is my first sort of, like, outside of that, which I don't, I feel like Ten Commandments doesn't count. Why not? Because it's on, like, every Easter, and it's not like I've seen it all in one sitting. It does also <laughs> feel like you're watching homework every time you sit to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it always feels like, okay, let's sit down. Let's watch the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and I skipped film class the day we watched Adam's Rib. <laughs> so Interesting. Yeah. His movies are not like that. Why is... I'm looking at these names, and I'm like, why is he so... Prolific? Prolific. I mean, we haven't really seen his stuff, especially because a lot of the folklore you read about this film state that, and you'll probably like this, this likely won Best Picture because they wanted to... Give Cecil B. DeMille an award. Yeah, I did read that. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm really mad about it. I hate when that happens. When they're like, let's just give it to them. I'm sorry, Brad Pitt. I'm sorry to do this to you. You shouldn't have your Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. First of all, you have Oscars outside of that for producing, and you're a very good producer. So just stay with those. You don't need the acting one. You have Oscars. Like, you don't need your Once Upon a Time in Hollywood one. Or even Leo in The Revenant. I don't think that that... But that's that's so many people. That's so many people. You could say, especially nowadays... Meryl Leo, doesn't need it Meryl for The does, Iron Lady. Meryl does not need a third Oscar for The Iron Lady. She should have gotten it for The Devil Wears Prada, if anything. Julianne Moore doesn't need it for, like, for Still Alice. Still Alice. There could have been other ones. Kate Winslet doesn't need it for The Reader. Like, these are not those, those actors' best performances. No. And the I'm trying to think of directors where that's happened more recently but i can't think yeah because then this one like it won best picture because they really wanted this director to have best picture i can think of acting performances where it's like definitely not warranted but i can't think of anything in the last like few decades where i'm like oh was that really is this just because this is yeah is this really because we want this director to have this last hurrah you know it might happen if steven spielberg wins this year for the Fablemans, that's it's arguable that that could be one example of it. People are saying that this is going to be his last, but I don't think he said that. Oh, like that this will be his last movie? Yeah. No, I thought people people have been saying that for years. 
that th- no, but I think because this one is so much about his childhood, like about him. Yeah. That's why there's this like rumor mill. This is his last film, but I don't. I think he said, "I'm not gonna stop making film. I'm only gonna stop making films when I'm like at my deathbed." Yeah. Yeah. One example might be Peter Jackson winning for the ro- the Return of the King, but yeah, the argument there is that that was an, a reward for all three. Three movies. Than, like we owe him something. It was just like, no, this is an award for this amazing trilogy that you've made. Do we feel that way maybe about Million Dollar Baby? And they like wanted to give Clint... That's on a lot of lists too, man. And I can see maybe that. Maybe they, they thought that was the end of Clint. The end of the Clint era. I don't interesting. know. I do find it interesting, especially because we haven't had too many repeat winners for Best Director over the years. Mm. Right? Like, especially in recent times that it hasn't happened. The director has won multiple awards. I just, I really, I don't like that part of the Oscars. The Oscars, it's yeah. like The politics of it. The, yeah. I don't like the politics. This is actually one of the first, this is, sorry, not one of, this is the first Oscars to be aired on television. Oh. So now we're getting into a time where like people are actually going to sit down and watch what's going to happen at the ceremony. Yeah. Which also could inform this, right? Mm-hmm. It could easily have informed what was going on because... This was probably, I imagine, a very popular film. I think it was oh, very, yeah. it made a lot of money. It made $36 million. It was the greatest show on earth, maybe. It's huge. So that actually does inform it as well. So maybe they just wanted to reward a film that, you know, was popular too at the time. That made the bucks. I don't know. He won is... an honorary award in 1950. Cecilina Mill? Yeah. yeah. But the honorary ones don't count. It has to, like, in competition, <laughs> it's a real Oscar. They just don't count. Interesting. I don't, I didn't look up what else was nominated. Do you have that open? I do. So the other four films nominated were High mm. Noon. Okay. Ivanhoe. Uh-huh. The Quiet Man. Yeah. And a film called Moulin Rouge. With Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor? <laughs> no. This one's starring Jose Ferreira and Zaza Gabor. I want to watch that. Yeah. Like Jose, like father, or Jose, wait. Oh, I always get confused with the Ferrers. No, Audrey Hepburn's husband was not Jose Ferrer. It was another Ferrer. But Jose Ferrer, like, John, somehow uh, related Clooney's, to George Clooney. Yeah. George <laughs> yeah. George Clooney's nephew. George, uncle? sorry. Uncle, sorry. Uncle. George Clooney is his nephew. Yeah. Jose so, married yeah. to Rosemary. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Like, Ferrer. But yeah, that was the I? other, I guess it takes place in the Rouge. It was Jaja Gabor. Did you, do you think like Lil' Kim and Maya and Pink yeah. <laughs> did the theme song for But her? also, just to give you a bit of a comparison, Moulin mm. Rouge, for instance, was made on a budget of $1.1 million and made $9 million at the box office back in 1952. Whereas The Greatest Show on Earth was mm. made on a budget of $4 million and made $36 million. Whoa. So this was huge. This was a big movie. I don't think that we can discount huge. that. Moulin Rouge was directed by John Huston. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's some interesting things here. Yeah. There's yeah. and a lot of a lot of the lists that call out this movie specifically say there were many other options. So why this? And I guess the pontification about, you know, Cecil B. DeMille or the Bob, you know, what I'm saying about the the box office all makes sense. But let me ask you, does this sit on a list? If we add things like the Broadway melody. Cavalcade, Cimarron, The Great Zeke Field, movies that we ourselves were like, I don't really get this. this. Yeah. Yeah. Does this. An American in Paris. American in Paris. Does this sit on the same list? Yeah. This doesn't say anything to me. I think it's really sad too. And like, I would be embarrassed if I was Cecil B. DeMille to have it be like, oh, I got this because everybody thinks I'm probably going to die soon and this will be my last film. So they're just going to give it to me. When then a few years later, you make what is probably like the best film that you've ever made. Yeah, the biggest and best, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, you guys got it wrong on that one. I'm going to do something much better. Yeah. Much more important, really. Yeah. Something with a huge impact. So let's talk about this compared to something like An American in Paris, which we both did not like. Which one did you like more? I preferred this. Yeah, me too. I was going to say. Yeah, because 
both okay both don't have a great story the promise in this story though is so much better like the idea of a clown being like somebody who's being investigated for a mercy killing is actually really quite interesting and like that imagine if alfred hitchcock made this movie of james stewart being what's his clown name buttons Buttons the Clown, yeah. on the run as Buttons the Clown, trying to evade police investigation mm-hmm. because he's mercy murdered his wife. Yeah. M- mercy murdered? Mercy killed? Mercy yeah, killed mercy his killed. wife. Yes. Like that in itself is so intriguing, but this just sort of gets, it gets disguised with like the idea of like, I'm trying to show you what the greatest show on earth looks like. But that, there's so much actual promise in that story. Yeah. With An American in Paris, it is... It wants so much to be a romantic comedy and wants to, like, indulge you in, like, this beautiful, like, French and American relationship. But there's nothing actually there. There's, like, no substance whatsoever. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's I'm an American in Paris. So what about those other films that, we, that we've mentioned? Well, you asked me specifically about I did. I did. Absolutely. So now I'm asking you <laughs> about the other films, about... Broadway Melody, Cimarron, Cavalcade. I don't even remember them. This is the thing. We've watched so many movies. I guess, like, the thing that stood out... Okay. And maybe this is just me. Actually, not maybe. It is just me. I do prefer this over those. This is in color, which I think, again... Fair enough. ...is a big contributing factor. Like, the Marvel and Spectral of this, if this was made in black and white, it wouldn't have the same impact. Yeah. It would just be... It would be so boring. And... So those do stand lesser on the list for me. Mm-hmm. I think this is so advanced in terms of like what it is showing on screen mm-hmm. that it does wind up higher. But I do think it lies into this like notion of maybe the at that time this movie was being talked about. And so that's why it won Best Picture. Yeah, I like, think they all kind of fall into that. I think people probably were talking about Simran at the time. Were they were they talking about Cavalcade at the time? Yeah, man. You think Cavalcade's the British people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that. I mean, what year did that come out again? Oh God, Cavalcade. It was like World War One time or World. I think War right II after time. World War One. And so I think like Europe was on the mind. People wanted to know more about what it was like to be British aristocracy. Air- I can't talk anymore. Aristocracy. Thank you. <laughs> it was 1932-33. So after World War One. After World War One, before World, World War II was coming. People yeah. knew it. Did they by this point know? I think people like heard mumblings. Like on the I think phone. it was out there. I mean, Hitler was around. Yeah, Hitler was around. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I I definitely did prefer this to those, but I can mm-hmm. still see why it's on the same list. Yeah, they fit in the same sort of category. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I do respect this a little bit more because at least. This is trying something. I think the thing is, is that much like Promising Young Woman, Cecil B. DeMille is trying to <laughs> use the background is actually the bigger focus than the story. Mm-hmm. Like the story, he's letting the life of a circus and how the circus sets up and all of that dictate what happens to the story. And so the story takes this, a backseat to everything else. And your story should never take a backseat. So for you, Cecil B. DeMille and Emerald Fennell are one of the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm expecting her to make her Ten Commandments very soon. Does she have anything coming? She has stuff on her IMDb, but who knows? Okay. We'll see. Because she was in The Crown. Yeah, she plays What's-Her-Face, right? I forgot. Did she play Camilla Parker Bowles? Yeah, she did. She did. Did she? She's Camilla Parker Bowles, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was also very, like, just there. Like, it's very, yeah. it's, you don't have to pay attention to this. The story is very easy. The ending is very interesting. I will give it that. That tra- train crash is, be- it's excellently filmed. The action really picks up all of that. Like, it's all very enticing. It's all very interesting. But it's also two and a half hours. It's a movie. Yeah, it's of, a long movie. Yeah, of watching yeah. kids go up. And, like, people get ready. And then weird musical parade after weird musical parade. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to ask me, like, Mita, should I sit in this two and a half hour movie just to see this train crash? <laughs> no. No. You don't need to. You don't. No. But it was, it definitely was the highlight of the film, I'd say. It's the yeah. most interesting thing. I also didn't think the great Sebastian would fall. And so that <laughs> was that was interesting. There was a bit of an interesting kind of, like, twist. Like, there were some interesting plot points. But I also think that, like, the life and times of people who work in a circus, very interesting. 
Oh, yeah. Circus folk. Carnies, if you will. Carnies, if you will. Have uh, so many stories they could tell. This doesn't tell their stories in like a fun way. Because you also have your focus on the Charlton Heston character, who I just think he's kind of like the asshole of the group. Yeah, the casual misogyny is also very like prevalent. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm over that. Even for 1952, like... Yeah, like, I'm kind of like, like, did these women not have anything better to do? Like, really? And also, two years later, you had something, two years before, you had All About Eve. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not everyone was making those movies, right? They Well, they should have learned from, from the All Best Picture Eve. winner of 1950. Yeah, change things. Yeah. No, I know. But, no. No bueno. They didn't, know. they didn't Betty know. Betty Davis didn't work hard enough to fix it. I mean, it's not just her responsibility. I feel like it was. <laughs> do you have uh, sequel sequel ideas? I really do think that it would have been a much more uh, interesting story if we just followed James Stewart's character. Like, I think that in itself is really interesting because it's kind of like The Fugitive. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine if in The Fugitive he decided to become a clown in the circus. Have you seen Nightmare Alley? Uh, Yes. So there's also like tonal similarities. There's tones. Yeah, you can sense it in there for sure. And I think that, but that still does a better job, even though I don't love Nightmare Alley, it does a better job of focusing on the people rather than... Than the, the circus itself, the, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that's just the thing about this. Right. Maybe you have it. these, like, little interesting stories there. Like, yeah. even Sebastian himself is, like, an interesting kind of guy, I guess. But, like, there's just no... There's no focus on which one we should really be, like, entranced by. So for sequel people, like, I actually would just rewrite this into being more of a focus of, like, this person who's the running people, from yeah. the authorities. Yeah. you could He could have made The Fugitive before there was The Fugitive. Or even not if it's focused on him. Just have it be about the people rather than the circus. Yeah. Right? But yeah. that elephant almost stepping on her face was pretty interesting to me. There's a lot of interesting things. Yeah. That like, was a real elephant, Nadim. Yeah. Almost stepping on that girl's face. Yeah, I'm sure she yeah. was just like, get this guy off of me. Yeah. Is it my turn to go first for a review? No, I'm going first. Okay, give it to me. Don't worry. It'll, unlike this movie, it'll be short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is there to say about The Greatest Show on Earth? This movie has nothing. <laughs> it is not the greatest show on earth, but it's also not the worst show on earth. I will give it that. I think in um, the time that it was released, it is pretty. It is a marvel. It's a spectacle. I actually kind of got some vibes from like Nope too, in terms of like oh, building yeah. that spectacle. Yeah, and I think Tr- Cecil B. DeMille did a really great job of that. I do really believe the internet rumors that he only got this award because people assumed he was going to die soon (laughs) and that it was time for him to get a best picture win. Mm. And so I just feel like in terms of the story, what was presented, this doesn't really hold up for being a best picture. Like we've seen things since before this and in the future, but we've seen things before this that actually do really tell a great story and are really done very well as well. I don't, it's just, uh, look, I fell asleep three times watching this movie. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you other that this is really long. Yeah. It's there. It's part of the lexicon. Mm-hmm. I think on a, in a better week for me, maybe it could be really entertaining. Like, you know, you're getting the circus and that's really fun and exciting. But there's no story. There's no heart. There's no... There's nothing to move you and to enthrall you into The Greatest Show on Earth. And when you have a title like The Greatest Show on Earth, I think you're building a promise that you really need to fulfill. And this just doesn't do it. So for me, I'm going to give it two stars. Okay. I just landed there. You just landed. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Hmm. If this was about Cecil B. DeMille, why didn't they give him Best Director instead? Right. Because I actually think this is probably a better directed film. Yeah. I think this is probably a... Do you think they knew, like, well, we're not going to give him that. Why don't we give him Best Picture? I don't know about... Look, the Academy is not like the Cannes Film Festival, which is jury-based. So they're not sitting in a room having a conversation. I also just wanted to point out this film won two Academy Awards. Best Picture Mm -hmm. and Best Screenplay. Which is... uh, Sorry, what? Yeah. Which is truly baffling. No, I demand a recount. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But and Sesame DeMille was nominated. He just didn't win. And I don't know if if this was about Cecil, if if this was about Cecil B. DeMille winning, 
then why didn't they give him Best Director? Which I think would have been more warranted. Did it win Best Screenplay? Yeah. Best Writing. They called it something different. Oh, okay. It's called Best Writing. Oh, okay. Because there's Best Writing Screenplay and then there's Best Writing Motion Picture Story. So one must be Story versus Screenplay. Either way, this won an Academy Award called (laughs) Best Writing. Okay. (laughs) And it did not have that. No. But yeah, again, I think if this is anything, it is well-directed. Because the scale is truly impressive to watch. Because when you watch these movies, you realize nothing is done through CG. It's all humans. It's all real. It's all like, this man did all of this. And it is really Mm -hmm. impressive to watch that. It truly is. There was like a stadium full of extras, plus the circus, plus like all of that. And you can tell that that was really important to him and showing that grandeur and that spectacle. And he does it very well. But he does it at the expense of the story. And you can tell because the story never takes place in the spectacle. It's always after the, it's always after, right? It's always in the back, in the trailers, in like, it's very, it's kept outside of that space. Aside from the kind of the trapeze competition between Holly and the great uh, Sebastian, everything else is kept very small outside of that. So it's almost like he's making this conscious choice to show the spectacle and then show the intimacy. And it just doesn't gel because the stories themselves are interesting. These are interesting characters. And if we had seen more of that and that had been more of the forefront, I actually think this would be a more interesting movie. Mm -hmm. Is it the worst Best Picture winner? No, I think that still goes to Crash. But it's also not, it it, it just doesn't deserve Best Picture. I think that's what it is. This isn't like a terrible film. It just didn't deserve a Best Picture. Yeah. That that's it's really that simple. It's just give it to High Noon. Yeah, it's just on a list that should be like movies that didn't deserve Best Picture because I yeah. think the if the list is going to say things like worst Best Picture winners, it implies that the movie itself is bad. And if this hadn't won Best Picture, I think it actually would age better. Like I think that would have actually done a greater service to this. The way something like Ten Commandments has never won but has stood the test of time. And granted, you know the biblical story is the reason that that's so popular. But also sometimes not winning makes something just more, it, it, it lasts the test of time because you're not comparing it to anything. Mm-hmm. So do you need to sit through this? No. There's a lot of tentpole movies to see. And honestly, this is at like the way bottom of that list. The Train Crash is cool, but I'm sure you can watch it on YouTube. Yep. And for all of those reasons, I'm also giving this two stars. There you go. Two weeks in a row, we two both gave twos. Yeah. But this beats out an American in Paris for me. Two stars, but I'm not yeah. going to give it two. I'm not going to give it two and a half because I don't feel that way about it. But no. I did like this more than American. If American you're going to ask us. Yeah. We concur. We concur. On the we do have page. some other movies on that list coming up, obviously, because we're going through the whole list. But uh, I don't think next week is on that list. But before we get to next week, Mita. Yeah. Game. I'll game you. Okay. So last week, Nadim, you had me connect Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. to Scream 5. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. <laughs> You did. I was very proud of myself. Um, so this week, I am going to have you connect Screen screen 5 mm-hmm. to one of my favorite movies, Inception. <laughs> oh, the Incepts. Okay. The Inception. There's a very easy way to do it. I'm sure I don't, there is. I don't know if you'll get there. I probably won't. Um, but your timer starts now. I probably won't because I'm sure okay. there's something simple and I just can't think of it right now. Uh-huh. Inception by Christopher Nolan. Inception. Leonardo DiCaprio. So many people in Inception that you forget about, too. Ellen Page. Cillian. Tom Hardy. Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. God, I don't know. I'm I'm going to... Courtney Cox is in Friends. Friends had a lot of people. Yeah. Including one, Sean Penn, surprisingly. Yes, that and yes. Sean Penn, Ursula's fiance. Yeah, must have appeared in something with either Leo or Tom You've Hardy. Ten seconds left. Give me a little bit extra time, okay? Because I spent a lot of time vamping. Okay, that Tom, was your choice, but okay. Yeah, whatever. You also participated <laughs> in the vamping, so don't don't Very give good. me that. Sean Penn, Sean Penn, or Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad Pitt and Leo were in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, I'll give you that. There we go. Yes. That actually um, wasn't so you, that bad. It was two degrees, but still. It was not bad at all. No. You were very right to do the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. 
That was not the link I was looking for, so though. So what was it? Um, so our favorite person from Scream 5, Mikey Madison. <laughs> oh, yeah, she is. She's in Once Upon too. a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. There you go. I hate <laughs> her. She's Leo. such a terrible actress. But she's in Once Upon a Time with Hollywood. Because that makes sense. I could totally see her being absolutely. one of Charles Manson's yeah. followers. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got uh, it. It took me a little go. extra time, but I got there. Yeah. Now, what episode of Friends is Brad Pitt in? Oh, it's the Thanksgiving one, Mita. Come on. Okay. I just want to make sure Do that you Do you remember knew. when he was on Friends? Yeah, that was, was a huge, huge deal. Yeah. It was huge. I, I watched that live, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I watched it live. I definitely watched it live. I watched the Entertainment Tonight before that episode. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Like, it was huge. And I remember thinking no other special guest star has gotten as loud a... Because um, it, like, it was a big deal. And then it was even funnier that they, like, didn't like each other. <laughs> or, well, that Rachel liked him. Were they married at that time? I think so. They must have been. They were together. I don't know if they were married or not, but they were together at that time. What a time. What a time. I'm trying to think what his hair was like. And it was like 2001 Brad Pitt hair, like Ocean's Eleven yeah. hair. I think they were married. He, I remember, I saw it recently actually. It was on TV in San Francisco while I was like getting ready one day. And he has gotten better with age. Yeah. Yeah. He looks good. He looks He's good. got good doctors, I think. Oh, yeah. I think they give him a little nip nip, you know? Yeah, a little, a little... But have yeah. you seen her her recent magazine yeah, cover? Yeah, she looks yeah. good too. She looks good too. She's yeah. got good doctors She's too. She's got good doctors too. I don't like see what money hair, can do though. for you people. <laughs> see what money can do. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen that meme? You're not you're not ugly. You're just poor. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But also, I don't like her hair. Either do I. I think it's too. I think at a certain like this sounds wrong, but whatever. It's my opinion. At a certain age, you'd stop growing your hair. Yeah, but yeah, I don't you think get it at like a good length, you get and a good you length. stick with but that I don't length. Think it's real either. Oh. Because she posted on her Instagram. Of Do you her think it's extensions Halloween. or like? I think it's extensions or it was a wig even. Oh, Jen. Yeah. Jen has always looked good with like classic average length hair. Yeah. And she worked You don't it. need it to be that long. It just looks strange unless you're yeah. like literally Asian or Indian. It doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. No. <sighs> That's not a Greek girl's hair. It's not. But Mita, enough about Jennifer Aniston and her hair. That really yeah. was a tangent. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching a romantic film, oh. Nadim. We're watching From Here to Eternity. Yes, we That's are. That's so long. Yeah, like so long. <laughs> I wonder how long that movie is. I haven't looked it up yet. I don't think it's that long because I was okay, looking up God. like how I'm going to watch it. I don't think I can On- do that. 118 minutes, so just under two hours. I can do 118. <laughs> But that's for next week. Mita, parting words. He said I was like champagne. I made his head spin. That's a cute line. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like champagne. (laughs) Thank you for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for From Here to Eternity. If we make it. (laughs) Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.